I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. I just want to, uh, I want to bring you a word this morning, and the title would be, if I had to give it a title, would be Forget Not. Forget Not. Let's look in Psalm 33 and look with me in verse 12. Notice what it says. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we certainly do count it a blessing to be in your house. Thank you, Father, for sending the Lord Jesus to die in our place, to bear our sins in his body, Lord. And he was bruised and beaten and uh, disfigured, Lord, pierced. And uh, he bore our sorrows and our griefs, Lord, and our shame. God, you were satisfied with that sacrifice, and we thank you for that today. Thank you, Lord, that he was raised again for our justification. Lord, we bow before you this morning and we pray, dear God, that you might be pleased to meet with us today. We thank you for the privilege, Lord. We still live in a country where we can assemble without fear. We can assemble and open our Bibles. We could sing uh, to the tops of our lungs, Lord, if we so decided and chose to do so. Thank you, Lord, for that blessed privilege. And we ask that you'll bless now your word and your servant and uh, your people, dear God. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, today, you know, marks the 21st, and, uh, the 21st year since the terrorist attack upon the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan. You knew that, right? Today is 9-11. I figured that you would. And uh, September 11, 2001 is another of those dates that uh, will live in infamy, all right? We know that if you don't know, some 3,000 persons were killed. I think it's only three short. 2,997 were killed in those buildings when they were uh, sadistically attacked. And there was another 25,000. There's been another 25,000 from that day who were injured. And the number of which who have died either from exposure to toxins or to, uh, or to some of the biological uh, uh, malady as a result that number is in the hundreds of thousands who have all died or been seriously ill as a result and as a matter of fact it continues to grow every day and uh, and so they either inhaled ingested or sometimes penetrated with other body parts I'm not trying to be grim this morning I just want you to I want you to remember and not forget amen what happened on that day and they were exposed to these things and that number grows every day and that number will exceed those who died it already has who died on that day and so uh, wouldn't you agree with me that america has not been the same since it changed forever it really has it has changed forever and uh, and so I i've just got three things here this morning number one the reason why we're doing this, the reason why I'm saying forget not is because we ought to remember. We should remember what happened, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, there at Ground Zero, it's more than just a name or more than a place. You know, there have been a lot of other dates and places where we've been called out to remember. You know, here in Texas, what? Remember the Alamo, right? Wasn't that 1836? If I got my you, historians can correct me on that somewhere, 1836. 
We, would, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today if that hadn't taken place. And, uh, and people remember that. And, you know, the turn of the century, the, not the 21st century, but the 20th century, the watchword was remember the main. Do you remember when that happened in the Philippines? The Maine was a ship that was attacked and sunk. And that was the, that was the word for that, that beginning of the 20th century in our land. Remember the Maine. And then, of course, man, remember Pearl Harbor. Who, you know, you all were maybe young people at that time, too young to serve, but maybe your parents did. My parents, my dad served as a result of that. I, we had a family in our church back in uh, East County uh, there at East River, you know, they, they got married on December 8th. December 7th, the attack happened. They didn't know if he would survive or not. They married on December 8th, and I think they were like 63 years or 60-some-odd years uh, that they were married. And so it affected a lot of people. And remember Pearl Harbor, and it, it, it changed how people live. It changed the way we thought about things. America was withdrawn they were sort of isolationists we were still coming out of the depression trying to stay out of the war and not be involved in in uh, uh, as far as global things were concerned but certainly we were drawn in when we were attacked in, in there in Hawaii and then of course you know today I'm telling you to remember 9/11 we need to do that you also need to remember Benghazi that happened also how many of y'all know what I'm talking about when I say Benghazi Benghazi was a place where uh, the um, in the I'm, I'm trying to think whose administration it was. I just know that Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State, and they wanted to blame it on a videotape. And it was a planned attack by Al Qaeda, and it happened on the anniversary of of 9/11 there in those Middle Eastern countries in Benghazi, and uh, and so there were lives that were lost as a result. And we should remember those. I had an opportunity once to visit on the USS Iwo Jima. That is a Jeep carrier. I was preaching in Norfolk and I was staying in the Navy Lodge and there were several Navy personnel in that church. And uh, one of them took me on a tour of the USS Iwo Jima. It was a Jeep carrier developed in World War II and uh, named after one of the islands, you know, Iwo Jima that was taken. Anyway, there's an island there on this small uh, amphibious carrier. They had helicopters and they could open up the back end of that ship and flood it with water and bring other ships in like a tender, let the water out and those ships would be lowered onto heavy blocks. They could work on them, do the maintenance or whatever, fill that back up with water, open the back door and push them out and, uh, and then close it up and drain the water out again. But on the island, on that deck they had, and it said, why we fight? And there was a list. And it was six or seven long, like the USS Cole there in Yemen and what happened on 9-11. It was a reminder for every one of the personnel on board that ship as to what our mission is and why we're doing it. Amen. They don't want those Navy personnel to forget. And you know, there's a whole generation. Now, 21 years later, a, a lot of people that were born don't have any idea what happened on 2001 on this date. And so we ought to remember. So what should we remember? You know what? Freedom has never been free. That's one of the things that we should remember. Freedom has never been free. Did you know that on this morning, I think it was at 845 uh, New York time, Eastern Standard Time, the first aircraft flew into the South Tower. Or, and, uh, and then some 15 minutes later, like 903, the second 
aircraft crashed into the North Tower. And on that day, there were 343 firefighters who perished in the collapse of those two buildings. There were 27, uh, correction, there, there were 23 New York City police officers and 37 Port Authority officers, all a part of the first responders who died and perished on that morning. And you know, there's videotape of that. And what is it? It's showing masses of people running away from those buildings, and rightly so. But it also shows that those first responders were headed toward the blast. They were headed into the problem. You know, and you say, well, they knew that when they signed up. I understand. I understand that. But that still takes a dedication to love something more than yourself. And they are to be remembered. Freedom has never been free. I, uh, I produced these this morning. Let me see. Brother Mark, would you help me one more time? I think there's enough for everybody to have one. I don't need one. No, thank you, brother. And what this is, this comes from the Department of Veterans Affairs. And this is considering all of America's wars and all of the dead who have died in those wars. And the number is significant. Going back to the Revolutionary War, you'll see them enumerated there for you. Freedom has never been free, beloved. It's always been paid in, in the, with the blood of others. It's always been paid for in the blood of others. Jesus said in John, No greater love hath a man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And uh, these men and women, they died giving themselves to a cause that was greater than themselves. They just did it to protect our freedom. Do you, do, do you remember where you were when you heard about what had happened? I do. It's kind of like I remember where I was when I learned that President Kennedy had been assassinated. I was in a history class, or I was in the fifth grade, and it was the history time. And uh, Mrs. Stout was my teacher. And I remember it came over the loudspeaker shortly after 1 p.m. that day that President Kennedy, in fact, had been assassinated and was dead. And I know that my teacher wept. And I mean, there was just a, it was just an eerie feeling in the classroom. Well, I remember where I was on 9-11. I, I had been in shaving and, uh, and I think the, the Today Show was on. I don't watch that program anymore. But the Today Show was on, and they had just cut to something, and I heard something about there was a plane crash. Well, I'm an ex-air traffic controller, and so I, I wanted to hear about this. So when I came around out of the bathroom into the living room, and I saw this on there, I, I saw that that building was smoking and on fire, and I was thinking to myself, well, certainly that must have been pilot error, or, or, or certainly the pilot had some sort of maybe a medical problem that... You know, oftentimes that, that gets people. You have a medical issue, you, then you can't control either what you're driving or what you're flying. And, uh, and I didn't see anything particularly sinister about it. And I knew the controllers wouldn't direct somebody into that. I mean, that's well below the minimums for flying over a city like that. And, uh, and while we're standing there watching that and, and listening, then I hear that, uh, or I see, you know, live production. I see, man, I see the second plane come in and hit the other tower. And I looked at Debbie, I said, man, we're under attack. I called, I called my pastor and I said, brother, we're, we're under attack. And as I was watching, then the Pentagon got hit. 
and uh, there were explosions that were taking place. You could hear it. It was coming from the reporter who was on scene. I said, brother, we're being bombed. I mean, that's what I thought. And, uh, and I was already thinking to myself, gosh, at that time, 2001, all right, that's been 20 years ago. Man, 50, I, hey, I, I could still go. I mean, I could still be used. Amen. I mean, I feel like that. When I took that oath, and I know that several of you in here did that as well, when I was discharged, it didn't discharge me from the oath that I took to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. Now, I'm not trying to be a hero, but I am a patriot. And I, I think, I think uh, you know, I mean, even Jonah, though he was mixed up, he was a patriot. Amen. He was. I give him credit for that. He loved his country and didn't want to see another nation be its undoing. And so, beloved, we, we need to remember these things, that freedom has never been free. It's not been. You and I are enjoying some blessings today because somebody else paid the ultimate price. And I know that 9-11 really is more about the first responders than it is about those who have died in war, but nonetheless, it's just another group of people that have given them themselves, paid the ultimate price for us to be able to have what we have. And so we, they do need remembering and they do need respecting. I think we ought to respect them. When I was in the military, uh, I came in after you guys. You all had been out for uh, quite a few years by that time. And I went in 72. And uh, it was not a popular time. You know, I, when I came back from Thailand, I'm in uniform. I land at San Francisco International Airport, you know, and we're called names and a bunch of guys wearing orange sheets, Hare Krishners and all this kind of mess out there with tambourines and cymbals and stuff and calling you murderer and all. And I determined in my heart, though I was still in, I determined I wasn't going to let the next generation of those who served to be, if you will, to be maligned and, and to be... Uh, you know, just to be abused by the public. It makes me angry. Some things ought to make us angry. And particularly, you know, today it's a volunteer force. You know, America doesn't need to be woke. It needs to be awakened. Amen. It should be awakened. Freedom, we ought to remember, freedom has never been free. Freedom, though, beloved, I want you to understand this. As much as I am a patriot, freedom is not supposed to be worshipped. You know, there's a lot of people meeting in underground churches. In places, maybe they already met. You know, they're across the world. Different time zone. It's already tomorrow over there. Midnight in some places. But they've already met. And uh, when I say that freedom is not to be worshipped, you know, it's considered what's called an inordinate affection. By definition, an inordinate affection is one that is, that is excessive and, uh, and that it is, it is outside of reasonable limits. You know, it, it's almost like, and I, I know that animals can have a great impact in our lives and bring a lot of joy. I have a dog. You know, and if something happened, I mean, I would be sad about that. But, uh, you know, but anything on two legs is worth a whole lot more than anything on four legs. Amen. 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 Sorry, Brother Ed. <laughs> as much as you like them, all right? Uh, 
For those of you who don't know, uh, Brother Ed is a horseshoer, farrier for several uh, decades. And, uh, but I just want to say, you know, that's an inordinate affection. As a matter of fact, you know, the Lord Jesus, our correction, Paul said this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. He said, set your affection on things above and not on things in the earth. Set our affections on things above where Christ sitteth. And, uh, and so he really is our life. To love our freedoms more than loving the Lord is idolatry, beloved. And in America, amongst a lot of people, freedom has become an idol. You know, as much as we don't like it, we ought to understand, you know, that 9-11 happened. And it happened right under the purview of God. And he saw it. And he knew it was coming. And he didn't prevent it. As much as he used those nations in the book of Judges, what was he trying to do? It was, in, those, in those days, he was trying to get Israel's attention. When they would do right, they would have a deliverer. And as long as that person was alive, they would do right. But after a time, they would fall into that cycle. And they would grow weak. And they would depend on other gods. They would embrace other things. And sure enough, here would somebody else to conquer them. I, I, I remember, beloved, when, when the, the first Gulf War came about. I, uh, you know, I remember that was on a Wednesday night. I was in church. On that Wednesday night, I was at uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And I remember, man, they said, they said, man, the, the bombing has started in Baghdad. And we went to the pastor's house. There were several preachers there. I was a missionary there uh, for their conference. And so we go in there. And we're watching this and CNN's reporting it. It's all done with starlight scope. And it's green. And we're saying, man, we're seeing all the AAA. That's anti-aircraft artillery AAA. Fly, you know, shooting up at the sky, man, they're just trying to get these uh, stealth bombers and they're not getting them and they can't hit them and all that started. And uh, we watched that for about an hour or so. We went into the church and people were already coming. Services didn't start till seven o'clock. And this is now between six and 6.30. People were already coming in the parking lot, going to the church and they were at the altar and they were praying. Brother Mays Jackson preached that night. How many of y'all know who Mays Jackson is? He used to have that truck driver special. He would preach on the radio, an old preacher. And he was there and he said, oh, it's a holy war. And the next night he preached on the madman of the Middle East. I mean, he just took advantage of the headline. But you know what? By the time Friday night came about, a lot of those people didn't come back. The altar wasn't full an hour before church service started. We'd already gotten used to things. Beloved, we can't be that way. We shouldn't be that way because if we don't learn from history, it, we're, we're doomed to repeat it. We're doomed to repeat it. And so we should remember, freedom is not to be worshipped and freedom is a blessing from God. Look back at Psalm 33. I hadn't forgot about where we were. Look at this. Look at verse 16. Notice what it says. Psalm 33, verse 16. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. What is he saying right there? The king doesn't stay in power. That, that kingdom, that regime doesn't hold its place because it's got a big army. Why? How does it do that? A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. Well, what is it? Who, who really was Samson's helper? It was the Spirit of God. It was God himself that empowered Samson. 
wasn't in his muscles. Look at verse 17. A horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Freedom, beloved, is a blessing of God and a direct result of our relationship. It's directly proportional to our relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. So I want you to see the second thing. Not only should we remember, beloved, but you and I, we ought to reflect. We ought to reflect about our individual lives. Do you remember when Nehemiah, we're not going to turn there, but do you remember when Nehemiah learned about, learned about the walls of Jerusalem, broken down, the gates burned with fire? He didn't point the finger at anybody else. You know what he did? He said, our father, he said, we, and me and my fathers, we have sinned against you. He took responsibility. He confessed the sins of his nation and, uh, and brought that before the Lord. Peter wrote and said this. He said, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? You know, we, we blame others. And yes, I know the decisions that they make and so forth. But really... It, the future of America has never been because of a piece of paper held in some special, uh, you know, uh, climate controlled uh, display. It's because of our relationship with God. The church's relationship. We have an impact upon these things. I want you to, you're right there in Psalm 33. Keep your place, please. And turn with me to Isaiah 3. Isaiah chapter 3, and you say, gosh, Brother Ed, I mean, we're a New Testament church, and you're bringing us everything out of the Old Testament. We don't live under the Old Testament. I, I totally agree with that. But you know what Romans 15 and 4 says? It says, knowing this, that the things that were written aforetime were for our learning, and that through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we might have hope. What are we supposed to learn from the Old Testament? As God was faithful to them and as they were to him, there was a blessing that would come. And we're supposed to learn that for ourselves today. It's what America needs. Look, look with me in the book. Look with me in the book. I asked you to go to Isaiah 3. Isaiah chapter 3. Look at this passage and see if this doesn't sound like today. For behold, the Lord. The Lord of hosts doth take away from Jerusalem. Just put America in there. Away from Jerusalem and from Judah, the stay and the staff. Now, what is that? That's the means, if you will, uh, of the agriculture of the land. A lot of farms are closing. A lot, a lot of, of uh, uh, agronomists and uh, animal husbandry places are closing because of the prices, the regulations that are taking place. Upon them, man, you know, you can't have a cow, you can't have too many because they produce methane gas, which supposedly is going to hurt the ozone layer, which is going to kill everybody on the planet because you've got a few head of cattle. It's ridiculous. Amen. It's ridiculous. The whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. You know, you know, man, I remember. Do you remember when do you remember when a loaf of bread was pennies on the dollar? I think Debbie talks about her grandmother. Uh, Miss Margie, when she would, you know, she would spend like $5 a week on groceries. And now, I know that was the 1920s. I get that. I get that. But, but you know what? But I grew up with, you know, 25-cent gas. 
Joshua, 25 cent gas. I owned a Volkswagen, so man, I could fill up for $2 and I was on my way. 25 cent gas. We got upset when the, in 1973 when the energy crunch hit the first one and, uh, and man, gas went to 35 cents a gallon. I was flabbergasted. We was really upset when cigarettes went from 25 cents to 50 cents. That's when Debbie quit smoking, yeah. We're in a mess. The mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient. That's our generation. They're being removed, the captain of 50 and the honorable men. In other words, leadership. There's such a, there's such a, there's such a famine of leadership in our land today. You, you can't have too many good men. Now, ladies, listen, you hold such a great place in the household and in the household of God, you do. It doesn't mean that you're second-class citizens. I, I will never present you that way because that's not the way that God believes about you. A lot of the men in the Bible had good women who supported them. Amen. And... Uh, and I don't think it's a stretch to say behind every good man is a good woman. I don't, I don't think that's a stretch. And I just don't think that's some clever thing to say, uh, to boast on somebody's flesh. I'm just saying that everybody has their role and their place in creation. God meant it that way. But leadership is failing. Le there, there's two ditches for leadership. One is it's absent, and the other one is it's abusive. And we can't use either one of those. And yet we seem to have that when people make laws and do things like as if they were a king. You know, Queen Elizabeth passed away this week and I've heard tell from others that she was a Christian and I hope that was so and I say Godspeed uh, to her, amen. And, uh, but I'm not sure that that is gonna be what will be the guiding light anymore in England. England hasn't sent out missionaries of themselves in a long, long time. Do you remember? That's where all the missionaries were coming from. And look at it now. We're having to send missionaries back to England. Let that not be named in America. Let that not be so about us. And I, I'm afraid, though, that some have come to America. Because we're needing the need of the gospel here. The captain of 50, the honorable man, the counselor, the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. Now watch, look at verse 4. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. Man, are we not in these times? I, I, I saw an episode of Cops, and there was a woman, she was 72 years old, and, uh, and this boy that she was looking after, her grandson was really giving her fits and all, and so she called the cops. And so he came out there, and this boy is 10. And, he, and the police officer said, well, what would you like me to do? She said, what I really want you to do is I want you to take him outside, and I want you to thrash his backside, which is what he needs. She said, I'm 72, I'm just too old. I, I just can't get a good lick on there. And I, I want you to do that. They didn't want to put grandma in jail today for that, if you were to do that in H-E-B. Man, it never bothered my parents. Man, if I needed a SWAT, they gave me one. But you got to be wise today as a parent. Yes. Some do-gooder will turn you in for doing the right thing. Yes. Amen. Yes. 
And it used to be if you were trying to run away, another adult would come along and help hold you while mom and dad warped your frame, amen, and fixed you. But what we have now is children ruling over them, children ruling over us. And, uh, and because they have been made the center of attention, I'm just going to tell you, the more child-centered you make your home, grandma and grandpa, the more likely that child is to rebel. That's a fact. That's a fact. People shall be, look, look at verse 5, and people shall be oppressed, everyone by another, and everyone by his neighbor, and the child shall behave himself proudly against the aged, the ancient, and the base against the honorable. Notice, notice what it says when it talks about, uh, look at verse 12, same chapter. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. That was never God's intention. Now it's unfortunate some women have had to step up when that leadership has been absent. And in order to take care of the kids or take care of themselves, she's had to fill roles that God never intended for her to fill. And I get that. And I commend them for it. But they're not supposed to be in these positions of leadership. Amen. I, I know this would not be popular in Austin. But I'm not worried about being popular. I'd rather be popular with God, amen, than I would be in, in, in the mind or heart of anybody else. But our relationship to him and with him is imperative. You know, Psalm 19, correction, Psalm 127 says, Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So God has to be our helper. And we have to reflect upon, upon our relationship to him and with him. Let me go to the last thing. Number three, we ought to remember we need to reflect. And when I say reflect, that means we need to examine ourselves in the light of these things. Look with me. Look, Go back to Psalm 33 with me, please. Psalm 33. And the third thing is that you and I, we should resolve. What does resolve mean? A resolve means that I've made my mind up. I'm determined. I'm determined to do some things. You know, I was thinking about having us sing that song today. And, uh, you know, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. Hey, I mean, hey, we ought to have our mind made up. Just as much as you all told me that very first meeting I was here. You said, man, if we meet for 15 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes, we're going to come and have church. Amen. That's great as we assemble here, but we got to take that outside these four walls. In here we get filled up. Out there we should empty coming back here and get filled up and then empty coming here but we've got to make our mind up about something you know one of the things we ought to be determined about we're going to be a praising people Amen. a people who praise the Lord look look you're there look you're, you're there in Psalm 33 look in verse 1 notice what he says rejoice in the Lord O ye righteous for praise is calmly for the upright it fits him it's suitable for us we ought to have that, you know, we ought to have that on our lips. You know, he said also in, in the, uh, Psalm 150, he said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Why? 
We've got so much that to be thankful for, to be grateful for. We ought to be a praising people, thankful and thoughtful, and not just with lip service. Lip service. Jesus said, their lips draw near me, but their hearts are far from me. It doesn't cost us anything to sing in here. It doesn't cost you anything to carry a Bible with you. Nobody's going to admonish you or look at you like you're peculiar or strange or whatever for doing that. But man, but having a song when you get out there and a gospel track in your purse or your pocket and say, hey, I just want to tell you about somebody that made a difference in my life and just do that and drop that off to them. Or, or you know what? You can even be a secret disciple. You can put them in your pocket and you can get out there. And man, when you get to the H-E-B over there, put a few of them in where you know that some of, the, some of the people are going to be going to get their fiber. Put it in there. Amen. Drop them off. Put them in the bathroom. Man, I put some I put some in different places. I put some out in Gibson's. And I'm not trying to be the hero here. I'm just saying it's something that you can do. Praising people shows up in our demeanor. It shows up in our countenance. Maybe that, you know, you get around somebody, man, why are you so happy? Well, man, man, my name's written in the book of life. I'm going to heaven when I die. I sleep well at night. I'm not worried about what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what they're going to do in Washington, but I haven't been counting on Washington for a long time. I mean, there's something wrong in America when they even want to strike George Washington's name out of the history books like he was some that's sister you're right it is only we ought to be a praising people we ought to be a praying people look in verse 10 notice what it says the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught he maketh the devices of the people of none effect the counsel of the Lord standeth forever the thoughts of his heart to all generations all right, and, and look look in Psalm 34 with me. You're right there. Look at what this says. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. There's a certain element out there in this days of uncertainty. They're looking for some peace. They're looking for some security. And you and I, we have the answer. It's not in a piece of paper, but it is in a person. And so we need to be a praying people. Blessed is the nation, verse 12 says in Psalm 33, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. We need, to be a pray, we need to be a praying people. For who? For those in authority? We need to pray for the decisions that they make. That we can live this quiet and peaceable life, Right? You know, uh, we ought to know their names. I just learned the name of the representative for our district here. His name is Chip Roy. And I want to add him to my prayer list. I was trying to see what he believed and so forth. And maybe some of you have met him and, and the like. I don't know. And, uh, I, you know, I hopefully that, you know, he talks about God, I think, in his website or whatever. But a lot of them do that. I hope it's more than just some symbolism, but rather there's some substance to it. We need people up there that know the Lord and that can pray and so forth. Uh, President Biden needs prayer. Amen. Kamala Harris needs prayer. They need to have some people in their midst to know God and actually, you know, actually believe what the book says. And, uh, and it's, it, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibilities for the Lord. Man, if he can reach people in a foreign land, in a hostile country, 
It's possible he could do that in Washington, D.C. But this is where we have our part. And that peculiar people. Yes, we are peculiar here at Ray Cheryl Drive. I don't mind saying that. But you know what it is? But we ought to be zealous of good works. While everybody else is bashing everything and everybody else is, is uh, complaining and so forth, we ought to shine as lights. That we're not murmurers and disputers. But that we shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. We're the sons of God. We need to be reminded about that. We have a role to play as ambassadors. Can make a difference. And I think we ought to be a peaceable people. Now listen to me. You know, I know I said we need to remember 9-11. We do. We forget not. And the goal of this is not to stir up hostilities towards someone who might be wearing a burqa. You might see them in town or you see them in some store and you look at them with disdain and so forth. Do you know we've got missionaries that are trying to reach people like that? I think about some of them in my own church. Man, they're in Indonesia. One of the highest Muslim populations in the world is in the country of Indonesia. And that's right where they are. Why? What are they trying to do? They're trying to reach a people and they are being reached. I know those. I know some of those that have been in Austria. Austria is almost like, I don't want to say it's a crossroads, but a lot of people from other countries come there. there and in that church, there are Turks and there are Arabs and so forth. There are other people besides just Austrians in that church. Why? And they heard the gospel and they believed on Christ. And their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The idea to remember 9-11 or remember these other dates is not for us to stir up anger towards, uh, towards the Japanese or toward the German. As a matter of fact, do you know the name of the pilot who led the attack on Pearl Harbor? Anybody remember? His name is Fushida. Fushida. And you know what happened to him? You're just not going to believe this. It's kind of the strangest thing. You know what happened to him? He wound up getting saved. And he became a Baptist pastor in the state of Washington. <laughs> There's nothing too hard for God. Man, you need, to, you, need to, you need to get a book. It's called The Evidence of Things Not Seen. If you like to read, you need to find and listen to Helen Diebler Rose. Listen to her testimony. She was a missionary girl in the country of New Guinea. It was Dutch New Guinea in those days. And she was separated from her husband. That's the Diebler. And he died in a Japanese prison camp there in Dutch New Guinea. And she survived the camp and actually went on to lead the camp commandant to Christ. And he got saved and others. And you need to read. I've heard her testimony. And you need to read it. I'm telling you, man, it'll, it'll just make you want to run and shout. I don't care how old you are. Amen. And, uh, but it's called The Evidence of Things Not Seen. And it's an excellent, excellent book. And it's just, it's just a blessing. And, and God used people in these difficult places. Look at Corey. You all know who Corey Ten Boom is, right? Hid that little Bible in her undergarments and so forth. Got in there and won a bunch of those other women uh, to the Lord and so forth. Corey Ten Boom and the things that were done in those days. Those are not just days in the past. They can be days Today, I suspect that, man, there are people who are getting the job done in difficult circumstances. And souls are still being reached. Lives are being changed. But these ideas to remember, you know, it's not about to stir up ill feeling. It just reminds us, you know, again, God allowed it.
and he allowed it for a reason. And so, you know, Romans 12 said, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And that's what we should strive for. Peaceably with all men and not be overcome with evil, right? But overcome evil with good. What, what do you do then? You heap coals of fire upon their head. Because the Bible says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's Proverbs 16. Almost done. We also need to be a participating people. I hope you vote. I hope you get in there and we used to say pull the lever. You remember those days? You go behind the curtain and pull the lever. And, uh, and you still need to vote because it doesn't do any good to complain if you're not going to cast a ballot. If you don't know who to vote for, I can help you with that later, all right? But, uh, but you ought to vote. You ought to participate. I'll just tell you, I, I vote my biblical conscience. I can't, I can't support someone that supports abortion and just for any time, for any reason, you know, late term or whatever. I, I can't support somebody who supports sodomy. I, I can't do that. You know, I vote a biblical conscience. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and I, I think that's the right way. But we need to be a participating people. Your votes matter. Don't let anybody tell you that it, that it doesn't matter. It does. Whether it be at the local level or at the national level. We need to participate in these things. Be a participant. You know, because somebody said this, some smart fellow said this, evil triumphs when good men do nothing. We can't be one of those people. So what should I do? Let me give you these little things and I'll be done. We should live an extinguished life. Did you hear what I said? Extinguished. Like a fire extinguisher. We should live an extinguished life. It means to make dead. And so, beloved, that's what we've been called to. We've been called to bear about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Christ might be made manifest also. An extinguished life. John the Baptist said this, He must increase and I must decrease. Extinguishing our life. They don't need us. They need the Christ in us. And then number two, you, need, you and I, we need to live a relinquished life. That means yielded in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, submitted. As the Bible says, likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead. That's how you do that. You reckoned it so. I mean, you know, uh, we, most of us in here get Social Security and, uh, and you never see the money. Well, how do you know it's there? You write checks on it. You pay bills off of it. Uh, to me, we, uh, knowing the government, you're doing that by faith. Amen. I mean, they got my birthday turned around. They, they transposed or they put the wrong date. They transposed the year and made that my date of birth. And so it took about seven months to get that fixed. So my, my, my point is, is that we do it all the time. You know, you get paid. You're going to get paid on Monday. and You write the check. You float the check on Friday. That's living by faith. <laughs> I didn't say it was foolish. I said that's living by faith. But there is a hairline of difference between faith and foolishness. Amen. I'm just saying we do that all the time. But we need to reckon what the Bible says to be so. A relinquished life. That means I'm yielded. Yielded. And then lastly, a distinguished life. Set apart for God to use. 
That's how we make a difference. That's why remembering these things. Because we still have a job to do here, beloved. We still have an impact. You still can have influence. We have an opportunity to influence the next generation. Not about being ugly or being selfish, but by being Christ-like. And we ought to pray to that end. God, help us to be what you would have us to be, to make a difference in this generation. You know, when, uh, when times were tough, you know, in World War II when Pearl Harbor uh, came along, my dad said that he got stationed with a lot of guys. When he got drafted and went in, he got stationed with a lot of guys that were from Schofield Barracks. Schofield Barracks was the Army Barracks on, uh, on the big island there in Pearl Harbor where they were located. And, uh, and he said a lot of those old-timers, man, they were just all just itching, jumping, ready to go to do what, what young men were now being called upon to do because they felt like they were still in the battle. And, beloved, as long as we're drawing breath, we have opportunities. And we don't need to fail. We need to remember. We need to reflect. And we need to resolve resolve to be different resolve to not let others do what we ought to do you know Jesus said if the you know he said if they wouldn't do if those people remember they were laying palms at his feet and they were saying Hosanna he said man if, he said if they didn't do what they were doing the rocks would cry out well you know I don't want a rock to take my place amen I want to be able to worship the Lord, praise the Lord, and represent Him well. It's my desire to do that. I trust that it's yours. Amen. Let's stand. We're not going to have an invitation. I just want you to think on these things. Dwell on these things. Remind your family today, if you're with them, that what, what this day means, what happened, what was significant about it. Amen. Let's do that. Father, I sure thank you for my church, Lord. God, thank you for these faithful people. Lord, the years their service to our country, their service to you, to their families. Or there's a lot of generations that have come about as a result of their living. And Lord, you've sustained them through it. And I thank you, Lord, for working in my life and the life of my wife and my children, dear God. And I thank you for that. You're so faithful. My grandchildren this morning are in the house of God. What a blessing, Lord. I pray that we'd not soon forget the great and terrible price that was paid that our country might have freedoms and the great and terrible price that was paid by our Savior that we may have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you for him today. Thank you for our country. We pray for its leadership. God, that they may, that they may choose wisely, dear God, and they may, Lord, have a fear of God about their lives. Lord, we just need you to intervene. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We need you, Father. We need you. Our country has sinned against you. I have sinned against you, Lord. These have sinned against you. And Lord, we just need you, God. We're praying for mercy. We deserve judgment, but we're praying for mercy, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen.